Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary. Many of you know of my great love for sock religious. During the month of January, on January 28th, we celebrate the memorial of St. Thomas Aquinas, who is one of the greatest thinkers in all of Catholicism. He gave us a multi-volume Summa Theologiae, which has been used by academic theologians for years. He gave us the five proofs of God's existence. He wrote the hymns for Corpus Christi. And now you can honor St. Thomas Aquinas on your feet because sock religious have a wonderful sock of St. Thomas Aquinas. On the bottom of the foot, it says, Non nisi te domine. Nothing but you, Lord, recalling that prayerful moment St. Thomas Aquinas had before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. I hope you'll head over to Sock Religious by using the link in the show notes and get your pair of St. Thomas Aquinas socks so you can celebrate his feast day in style. Now on with today's show. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you're listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. While we're still in the month of January, I'm already looking ahead to the month of February. February is Black History Month all throughout the United States. This might sound familiar to Catholics because we also just had Black Catholic History Month in the month of November. So if you're on Catholic social media, maybe you saw a lot of push then about Black Catholic history. But I wanted to look at this, especially in light of the month of February. And there's a name that has been quite familiar to me. I've heard a few podcast episodes about this individual. And I said, it's finally time for me to learn more about them. And I think there's no other person to talk about Thea Bowman than Kariana Fry, who recently edited a book with Ave Maria Press called We Are Beloved, Great Spiritual Teachers. It's their series, and it's 30 Days with Thea Bowman. So she has immersed herself in the writing of Thea Bowman, who I've come to vaguely know, but today we're going to get to know more. So welcome to How They Love Mary, Kariana Fry. Good morning, and uh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And it was interesting in our Instagram message exchanges, we found out that we have a connection in a part of Wisconsin where you visit quite often. And and actually, we're recording this on uh, Friday, December 31st, and you were just in my area. And we could have actually have done this interview in person had I messaged you a few days sooner. But alas, here we are through virtual means communicating. And uh, yeah, I hope definitely our paths will cross in real life uh, once you make another visit up here in Wisconsin. And today we're talking about Thea Bowman, who has a very strong Wisconsin connection because she was a religious sister in La Crosse, Wisconsin for the Franciscan Sisters of Adoration there. So uh, I want to know first, how did you get to know about Thea Bowman? Well, it's funny. I always like to think that our saint friends and our saints in the making friends seek us out more than we seek them out. I mean, I think I mean, we've all had those, those experiences where you start to just 
get these little snippets of people um, or, you know, saints in heaven kind of following you around. And uh, I think Sister, Sister Thea was, was one of those for me. Um, I actually have a little bit of a personal connection with her, just very, very obtusely, uh, in that my, my aunt attended the University of La Crosse for her undergraduate degree back in the, uh, the, the late 60s, um, early 70s. And she actually, because La Crosse is so close to Viterbo College there, she actually had friends that attended class with Sister Thea Bowman. So to me, that that's just, I mean, there's a, my, my little, uh, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon type connection. Um, but knowing that someone in my family knew someone who actually attended class and had Sister Thea as a, as a professor is still very, very mind-blowing. Uh, mind um, but I, I tr I've been trying to think about it about back when I first became more acquainted with Sister Thea, and I really, um, I think she's kind of been part of my life, just little snippets here and there. I grew up in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, she, you know, did a lot of work. There was a lot of work done in Milwaukee, especially having to do with, 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 um, with Black history and Black culture. And even, you know, leading choirs in, in Milwaukee during my lifetime. And I, and I think it's really, when we have these, these, these saints and these servants of God and these venerables that are so close to our current lifetime, I mean, that really shows how uh, tangible and how, how real and accessible our faith is. How those that we, that we honor and that we venerate are not, uh, have, have not been living their eternal life with Christ for thousands of years. But they have been with Christ for you know for decades or for you know for for a half century. They're they're very they're very real to us. Um, but I was um, you know sister sister Faye has been kind of she's been, she's been there with me and would kind of pop up every so often. And then uh, when uh, Ave reached out as far as you know inviting me to help bring her to a, a larger audience, uh, I of course had to to say yes to that because she's become such a dear friend of mine and uh, a, a great a mentor and a great inspiration for each and every one of us, not just black Catholics, but just Catholics in general, that we have, we are each given a specific role by God and that we are called to use those gifts and use our talents and to use what we have as our whole person and to use that to, to share the love of Christ with those around us. And this episode is really, for me, a preparation for Black History Month. It's not a month, I have to say, that I've ever really done something intentional to celebrate. I, I used to co-host her as the Godly Council on uh, Morning Glory with Gloria Purvis. And I remember during the month of February, she would always have her Black History Fact of the Month or whatever. And so that was just a way that I kind of got to know some things about Black History Month month and everything like that. So why is it important for us as individuals to observe Black History Month, you know, whether we're black or white or, or whatever our race might be? Well, I mean, growing up, Black History Month was, you know, 28 or 29 days of learning about the contributions of black Americans to American history. So there's that, that definite tie-in to the greater narrative of American history. And it was a way to, and it current still is, it's a way to, to highlight uh, black leaders and black achievement that goes beyond the typical narratives of racism and enslavement. I think oftentimes we're talking about uh, uh, black Americans, it's always in the realm of, you know, of racism or civil rights or in enslavement, but what about the rest of it? Uh, what about the, the rest of the narrative? Uh, we know that history is filled with events that we would 
in all honesty, rather forget um, that it is through this continued engagement with history that we can give context to where we are in the present. And history at times can be really hard to to read and to to remember, but we shouldn't shy away from things that that are hard to read or that that make us mournful um, because what we are able to learn so many valuable lessons from from the past. Uh, things can take on a new perspective when we really acknowledge that Black History Month was only first recognized in 1976 by President Gerald Ford. But it was not until an act of Congress in 1986 that Black History Month was actually passed into law. So the national recognition did not come until 1986. Uh, for your listeners out there, I was six years old, and um, many of you are probably much older, um, and some of you may be very much younger. Um, but when you think of when you put in that, in that realm there of, of how Black History Month was just kind of a, a good idea, and it wasn't until an act of Congress that, that made it something that all states were really uh, called to to call and recognize. Now we actually see that Black History Month is not only celebrated here in the U.S., but it's also celebrated in Canada and the United Kingdom. It's celebrated in the Netherlands and, and it's celebrated in Ireland. So it's not just a Black American thing. It really is a true worldwide thing because the African diaspora is worldwide. Um, and I know that sometimes we, we can kind of get this idea that when we are highlighting what makes us unique as individuals, what makes us special and what makes us beautiful is a way or a means to separate us from a larger group. But, you know, I, again, I grew up in Milwaukee and Milwaukee is known as the city of festivals. Uh, one of my favorite things growing up was going over all to these different festivals throughout most of the summer, um, whether it was uh, German Fest or Festa Italiana or the Asian Moon Festival or African World Festival. You had a chance to really immerse yourself in uh, cultures and to experience something outside of yourself. And to me, that is just a way to highlight this beautiful diversity that God has created uh, with and through each and every one of us. I mean, God made each and every one of us the same. He really would have because he has that power to do so. But instead, he made each and every one of us in his divine image. And it is in and through that variety that we can best see the beauty of God's creation. And so when we can, uh, when we use our differences to exclude or separate or disenfranchise, that's where we take that, this beautiful gift of diversity and, and wonderment and change, turn it from a sense of, uh, from a source of joy and make it more into a, a source of sorrow. And so by celebrating Black history, by acknowledging Black history, we are acknowledging all of our histories as Americans. And I don't think there's anything that could be more beautiful than that. We're talking about Black History Month. And of course, we're going to talk a bit more about Thea Bowman, who was really this contemporary woman. She just died in 1990. So not that long ago, if we think about it. And who are some of the other kind of prominent figures of black Catholicism, maybe some who are saints, maybe some who are still alive today. There, you know, there are so many because when we think about our church, our church is just because of the, the great variety in our church um, from, from the origins of where our church began uh, in, in the East uh, and uh, so in, in, the, in the Middle East um, to how it's how St. Paul traveled and, and spread the word of God, along with all the other apostles, we think about how there is so much um, rooted within our church. And so I think when we think about, you know, the question is, how, how are we defining, uh, you know, uh, 
black Catholics or how are we defining uh, black or uh, Catholic persons of color? And that, that can be a really hard thing because, you know, that, that definition itself can be really nebulous. Uh, but really, if we think about it, you know, there have been uh, persons of color and, and, and black and uh, Catholics of black and uh, African descent throughout our church from the very beginning and the roots of Christianity. Um, we can also look to, you know, Saints Augustine and Monica uh, were from Northern Africa. And I know from, I have a, a great love for St. Monica as, as a mother um, because I look at, you know, how much prayer went into her and, and how, how, how big prayer was in her life, especially as she saw as she watched her son uh, kind of go off on his own way. Um, I was a little bit sorry that, that St. Monica actually traveled and followed St. Augustine and he kind of had a had a tricker to put her on a boat to get away from her. Um, but you know that that power of prayer that she had. Um, Saint Moses the, the Black from Ethiopia is one of another one of my favorites because uh, he sh he was one where he led a life of just violence. He was he was angry and he was a robber and he killed people. And then Christ came into his life and he made this beautiful conversion. Um, we know that Saint Paul. Was from another wonderful conversion. So I think we we tend to to think that you know the the path of Christianity is very you know very easy is, is an easy one to follow, and we know that that it is not that, and that that, that all people that there are uh, many many of us that are taking that are going down one path, and then we have our beautiful conversion moment, and we turn away from sin, and we go into the we fall into the into the embrace of Christ. Um, but even just thinking about our, our current uh, six Black American uh, Catholics that are on the way to on their way to sainthood, I think if we if we did nothing, uh, it would be great to talk about them. In that we have uh, servant of God Julia Greeley. She was uh, very active in the state of Colorado, and she lost an eye when she was a child uh, due to uh, a whipping by by a um, by a slave master. So she lost her eye, and so when she was finally um, freed, she settled in Colorado, and what she did with her eye, she had a great devotion uh, to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and she would attend Mass, you know, every day, and many days, the Eucharist was the only thing that she actually would, would eat, would, would consume, um, because she was very poor, and she would take her, she would spend the days going around um, and asking for donations and begging, but not for herself. It was for others in her community that were either too proud or did not want to ask for for help. So she would go around asking for for help, and then under the cover of darkness, she would drop off items at the homes of of individuals. Um, many of the families were were white families that were just too either too proud or too afraid to ask for help, and so she would. Uh, these are the same people that, that may have looked at her skew on the street and she would still love them with the heart of Jesus and said, you know what, I'm going to love them as Christ loves me. Um, we can talk about, um, you know, Venerable Father Gus Fulton, um, who actually had to travel to Rome to become or to, to continue his, his studies in the priesthood because he was not able to here in the United States. Um, and you can go and visit his uh, his his grave uh, in in the St. Quincy, Illinois. Um, but of course, you know we're here to talk a little bit about uh, Sister Sister Thea. 
uh, and her her contribution and her what she has done really for for Black culture and Catholicism. I like to say that Sister Thea has very much a a both and viewpoint rather than an either or. And when we think about all of the, the the effects of of Black of, of Black Catholics and Catholics of African descent or Catholics of Asian descent or Catholics of Indian descent, what we're really talking about is our shared Catholic history. And this is something that we, we need to embrace as Catholics, that our, that our church is not just a, a European church. And yes, that if you are listening, you are most likely uh, part of the Roman Rite, uh, as am I. I'm, I'm, I'm part of the Roman Rite. But we know that our church is so much bigger than that, that we have, uh, you know, that we have Byzantine Catholics and we have the Chaldean Catholics. And we have even, I have even learned that there was a right for those who have, uh, who have come from the Anglican Church into the into the Catholic Church? That they're the right specifically, you know, to to celebrate. So that we we by learning more, we're able to really open up and and take in more of our environment and to learn about things that are outside of us. Um, and this does not mean that we are called to ignore or hide that the hide the errors that were made by individuals in the name of Holy Mother Church. We know that enslaved persons were held at Georgetown, and we also need to remember and acknowledge that Black Catholics could not kneel uh, next to white Catholics at the communion rail in um, in some states because of segregation laws, which to me is such a heartbreaking thing that you that we are taking this gift of the Eucharist, we're taking the body and blood of Christ, and we're saying to a group, you cannot share in this meal with us because of the because of the color of your skin. We um, need to, we should remember and acknowledge that Bishop uh, Harold Perry, when he was, when he was named as the auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of New Orleans, in the 60s, his appointment was, and his naming was met with protests and with picketers holding signs that said that Jesus did not choose non-white apostles. And these are all things that happened within um, our, our, for me, my parents' lifetime and in my grandparents' lifetime. But we also remember the good. We also remember the good that has, that comes. How schools that were administered by the by Black American sisterhoods, especially like uh, the Albert Sisters of Providence in Baltimore, how these schools defied Jim Crow laws and they celebrated Black history and Black art, and how Catholic clergy would walk shoulder to shoulder with uh, American freedom fighters and with other civil rights leaders. To so that these are the reasons why we should all as Catholics seek out to learn more about our shared Black Catholic history, because this is our story as Catholic Americans. Now, there's a Black American, I think, who has a cause for sainthood, maybe, and I visited at the cathedral in New Orleans. Uh, am I mistaken there? Uh, that that would most likely be uh, uh, Pierre Toussaint. Um, yeah, that's, and that's then, the name. So, yeah. yep, yep, Pierre Toussaint. Uh, I, it was funny, I was, I was actually just thinking about you know who who to who to talk about and uh, i do have him on my list it's it's funny i i cannot recall offhand um his cause but he is this he's actually one of the one of the six as well so the the six american uh the six black american saints that are kind of on the path to saint um we have uh servants of god uh julia greeley uh henriette Dil- mother henriette delille mother mary lang and then we have uh venerable or sorry and then also uh sister Thea is also servants of god and then there are uh two venerables we have venerable uh father augustus Fulton and venerable pierre Toussaint. so that's those are the six black americans which is very exciting <laughs> you know it's will it happen in our lifetimes 
I don't know. <laughs> but it's still very exciting that, you know, we're talking about them. And I'm sure that they are rejoicing in heaven, just excited that we're talking about them. So you've studied the life of Sister Thea Bowman and the fact that you've read her writings, you've collated them together. There's this 30 days that we can spend with Thea Bowman. And it was kind of funny. I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, February only has 28. So I guess I'll have to do March 1st and March 2nd to uh, complete the book. But nevertheless, um, when it comes to Sister Thea Bowman, why do you think she's important? Why should people today know about her? I think people should know about her because she is she's she's joyful you know it's i think that there there's not enough joy i think in 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 life sometimes i think we can really get easily dragged down but not only she's not only joyful but she really did embrace this this both and philosophy that you can be both black and catholic you can be both um you can be both cuban and catholic you can be both French and Catholic. So this idea that one that that your identity is not just uh, put into separate barrels that you can embrace all of the all of who you are. Um, this I, there was as as a black Catholic, there are times where you feel like you have to have, and I'm going to speak a little bit from my own personal experience, that there are times where you feel like you have to have um, different um, identities. So. When I'm in this space, I'm going to be Catholic. Like when I'm in this space, I'm going to be a, a black woman in America. I, I happen to be bi- to bi- I happen to be biracial. So then I actually en- end up with an, another identity of well, now I'm going to really embrace my my European heritage. And so you do end up kind of with this 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 fractured feeling in your life. And um, what Sister Thea really did was she she encouraged you us uh, she encourages us to cast out those buckets and just embrace who you are. Um, I think about, you know, really what it can come, it can kind of come down to a lot of times, you know, music choice, Uh, depending on your parish, your parish can have a great variety of music choice and music can be very polarizing. I find where you have ones that feel like the only, the only correct music for uh, a parish should be organ music. Um, which is great if you are in a climate that really is, would where organs do well. But if you are living in a client, uh, climate, say the Caribbean, where it's very warm and it's very moist, uh, neither of which are very good for wood, <laughs> that maybe an organ is not the best instrument to have in that type of environment. So therefore, you're going to have drums. Um, does that mean that the mass that is celebrated in the Caribbean is somehow less reverent or less valid than a mass that is being celebrated in Canada where you can have organs. Um, and so this is, that's just a kind of one little microcosm. And so she really encourages us to embrace who we are fully, that as, as uh, a Catholic, I'm called to be both and I'm called to be a, a Catholic, I'm called to be uh, a European Catholic, I'm called to be a, a Black Catholic, I'm called to be my entire whole person. And that is a good thing. This is a good thing. It is not good to say, well, we're going to, because we're, uh, we're Catholics, we're no longer going to serve uh, Black Eyed Peas and Colorines on on New Year's Day, which, by the way, happens to be our New Year's Day menu. <laughs> we have it every year because that's part of my my African um, er, my African history uh, and heritage. And so, this idea that you we don't we don't eliminate pieces of ourselves um, because that is that's not of Christ. We are instead called to embrace who we are fully and 
she really did a lot for just for black culture in general and the the fact that you know that that black culture is is part of american culture from uh the rhythms of our of our music to to art, to fashion, to style that. It's really part of American culture. So Sister Thea Bowman, one of the things I remember from listening to these podcasts, and I've heard excerpts of her speaking, actually. She was a very, you know, lively speaker. And she spoke to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. So they meet twice a year. And during her lifetime, she went there and she spoke to all of the bishops and she had a message for them. Now, I don't know what the message was, but I guess I'm wondering, what is Sister Thea Bowman's message for us today? Well, that, yeah, that, that mentioning about the U.S., about speaking at the U.S. Conference of Bishops, one of the, uh, and I'm sure we can find a clip of this somewhere because it happened um, not long before her death. She, what was notable about that speaking, and I, I'm sure I have, you know, some excerpts of, of her talk uh, here somewhere, um, but she, what was notable is that she actually had all the bishops, she encouraged them all to stand up and sing uh, we shall overcome. And as a child, I remember seeing that we would sing it every Black History Month in school. Um, and just a fun fact: I went to uh, Milwaukee. I went to the Milwaukee German Immersion School, and yet we did a lot for Black History. Um, again, it, it was it was a great little bit. But we would always uh, we'd always sing "We Shall Overcome," and that is what she actually concluded her address to the uh, to the USCCB with them all standing together, holding hands and singing uh we shall overcome and this is that this idea of really encouraging the bishops to do more to to speak out to use their to use their influence and to use their uh, hate said to use the pulpit but to use the pulpit to encourage one another and to encourage us as catholics to really come together uh and really embrace that universality of our church versus you know our individual the, the, the tribalism that we can sometimes get into yeah i remember actually now that you say this that the bishops holding hands singing we shall overcome i remember that now and i remember it being very powerful as i listened to it as i heard it maybe i even saw a clip on social media and so for her to really take command of the room and to be able to convey this message uh to the hierarchy of the church here in the United States is a very powerful message. So just as she spoke to them, how does she speak to us today? She speaks to us today by really in, by by encouraging us to continue that same mission, to, to continue that, that same mission. Um, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of her works are still accessible and available to us. Um, you can actually go to Spotify or Apple Music and you can download her an album that was put together so you can hear her her singing and and hear you know you can you can experience some of her actual uh speaking and talking and so what it what it really means for us today is to continue this the same mission to not to not uh, retreat within ourselves and to stay where we're most comfortable i think i like this that, that idea of, uh, I, can't, I can't remember where i heard it but there was a this thought that um, that as Christians we're called to make ourselves uncomfortable, and we don't like doing that. We definitely do not want to be uncomfortable. We like we like things the way that they are, but we uh, have to know and remember that the road uh, the road to sanctity is not a road of comfort, and that we are oftentimes called to get outside of ourselves and to 
to to find out what makes us uncomfortable and then really get in there and figure out you know what is it about this that that causes me this discomfort um and she would she celebrated just who who you are uh there was a, a little clip and i think i'm going to see if i can find it again because my book unfortunately fell went to sleep or it closed i should say um but she where she talks a little bit about uh this how we are uh how we're called to 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 come together and that we are all called to welcome and acknowledge the best in all humanity um and i love this idea of acknowledging what is the best in all of humanity because that's what we see every day you know we we hear about the negatives we hear about uh we hear about crime we hear about uh politics we hear about these things that can really drag you down but really really when we look at it and we look at each other we are seeing the best in all of our humanity um we see that the fact that we just celebrated we we're we're just finishing up the octave of christmas where we celebrated god coming into the world as a human baby and then and, and being able to take part in in all of human experience and why because he loves us so, so much he wants to uh break the break the the bonds that kept us from entering into heaven into living gloriously with him forever and ever um and so we look at how all this is is how we can all get to this this point together by, by acknowledging one another as being the best of humanity. Now, Sister Thea Bowman was born in Mississippi. She even dies in Mississippi. But she becomes a religious sister with the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration in La Crosse, Wisconsin. How did she find these sisters? How did she be, become one of them? Well, this actually goes back to her childhood. So, you know, growing up in, in Canton, Mississippi, she was surrounded by, by songs. And so one thing you'll notice about Sister Thea is that music has a huge part of her life. So if you love music, then Sister Thea is probably courting you and, and chasing after you right now. Because music is such a big part of, of who she was and, and part of her, not only her spirituality, but also the, the joy that she would uh, expound among um in in her life but so growing up in mississippi she was grow she would grow up with songs of faith very not very similar not very dissimilar to way the way i grew up um i grew up in uh, a black baptist church and so uh gospel music was that was my morning noon and night if you could not get away from some aunt or some some neighbor that was humming some gospel song at any given time and so she you know growing up those types of songs do act as sort of a, a catechesis so to speak i mean you learn your first bible stories through song and so for her in mississippi it was for it was her experience with uh, Catholics in Mississippi, which you, if you think about it at the time, we're looking into the 1930s, um, being Catholic in Mississippi was probably as hard as being black in Mississippi and that you were looked at as being an other, especially if you're a part of, um, of, of a group of sisters from the North. Um, and so, but she saw as a child, she saw what the uh, Catholic clergy and the classic and the Catholic sisters did in her town and in her area, and she saw the love of Christ for them. She saw how they would go out to serve, how they were truly servants of the Lord, and they would serve the people, and that stirred something within her, something that she also wanted to be part of. And so she, uh, at the age, I think, mean, at the age of seven, she actually converted to Catholicism. Now, 
of course, this is the the method was different from the uh, from what we have now with our, our CIA. Um, but she made the choice at seven to become a Catholic. And so she was raised Methodist up to that point and then became a Catholic. And then it was not long that after that, that she wanted to uh, enter into the sisterhood. And that's what brought her up to La Crosse, Wisconsin. And talk about a, a cultural shift, not only from weather-wise, but just, just people-wise, to go from you know Mississippi all the way to La Crosse, where she was, she was very recognizable because she was the only uh, Black American sister in her order. And uh, the Franciscan, uh, the sisters would, they they would still wear traditional habits. Uh, and so that would also kind of set them apart from other other orders. And so she, she, she talked about, there's one essay that she wrote where she talked about that, the, the difference of, you know, of going and the ending up in uh, lacrosse from her, from her time in um, Mississippi. And actually, I'm actually going to read this. This is a slight, this is a quote here. Um, this is actually coming from uh, the, this is from the uh, publication called The Mustard Seed. And this is actually in her book. Uh, it's the book about her called Shooting Star. But I'm going to read this, this short little uh, paragraph. And it says, um, the everyday niceties were few. The school itself was a reclaimed army barracks. Old orange crates served as bookcases. But the Franciscan sisters who came into our world spent quality time with us. They offered a top-notch education for young charges. Um, in short, Sister Fea says, they made a difference in the lives of my people and my town. And, and I think this is a wonderful reminder of what we are called as have to do. We're called to make a difference in the lives of those around us. And that can come in just different ways. And who knows, you know, what whose path you're going to influence just by your day-to-day actions. But I think we need to remember this idea uh, that that we are that we are all influencers and we're all called to influence one another. Um, her 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 pastor at the time, Father Justin, suggested that she join the Holy Family of Sisters of uh, in in New Orleans, which is a a black, a black congregation. But Sister Fea was determined to go to La Crosse. Her father warned her, "They're not going to like you up there. The only black in the middle of all the whites." And I love her response to her father. Her response was. I'm going to make them like me. And she, and that's what she did. She, because of her effervescence, because of her, her joy, because of her love of Christ, you couldn't help but love her. Wow, what a beautiful story. And about her life, how she came to become a religious sister and really to become a voice today for all of us especially as we anticipate this month of Black History in February. If people pick up your book, in which you edited, this 30-day book with Thea Bowman, what can they expect to find in the pages? One thing I will say, I, I, I love, uh, you know, book retreats but i also like the ones that are that are there are, are bite sized and i will say this one is definitely a, a bite sized retreat so if you're worried about if you're listening and right right now you're worried about having to take you know three and four hours to really devote to this uh this retreat in this 30 days don't worry <laughs> it's not like that i am a busy mom of uh four children i'm also a teacher so i uh, i can understand uh how how life can really get there and they have how life can really get in the way of our best intentions. But what you can expect is that you will open up your day with 
uh, with one of Sister Thea's uh, writings. So these are actually writings that are sourced from her own materials. Some of them come from speeches that were made. Some are from written materials. Um, but you open up today with, with her words and she's speaking, speaking to you and speaking with you. Um, and then you'll have a section where you'll have a small verse or a small, a small, uh, a, a short sentence to keep with you. And, uh, this was, this is my gift to you. These, uh, these, these little sentences, they're called, we call them all through the day. And many of them actually come from African American spirituals, but some are just little reminders of what the, what the topic was of the day. So, um, if I look here at day number four, uh, the off the day is, uh, spirit help me see through the eyes of Jesus. So something that you can really kind of keep with you throughout your day. Um, I know that when I get, when I get flustered and frustrated, I just need that one little reminder what my goal is for the day. And so if my goal for the day is seeing others through the eyes of Jesus, that little uh, sentence will remind me, this is what I want to do. How can I see this person through the eyes of Christ? And then uh, as you settle down for, for your evening, um, you could add, adding to your evening routine would be a, a concluding prayer or a closing prayer, which kind of, which was, which was, which is designed to tie into the writings from the beginning of the day and to really settle you in for for your evening and for for a restful night's sleep. So uh, really, you can and is you can the, this this can be done in small chunks. I think really you could take three minutes of your day, uh, one minute in the morning, one minute in the evening, and then however however minutes throughout the day uh, to rem to remind yourself of what your goal is. It's really a great uh, doable. 30 days with Sister Thea, and I, and I hope that by spending this time with her, it would encourage you to learn a little bit more about, about her um, and her history and about uh, Black Catholics in general. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to doing this myself. And this is one of the things that on this podcast, when I recommend something, it's not just trying to fill a day, but it's actually something I want to do, something I'm going to do with others. And so really a great inspiration. Um, I think as I looked ahead and I saw Black History Month, I said, I got to get to know Thea Bowman more. So she is buried down in Mississippi, is that right? So someone wanted to visit her grave. I couldn't go to La Crosse and visit her grave. Correct. Yes, I, I, I would want to just double check that. But yes, I believe that she was buried. That she was down in uh, down in Mississippi. So if you were ever traveling down there. <laughs> now this is a podcast about the Blessed Mother and how different people have loved Mary. In fact, in April, I have a book coming out, 28 Profiles of Marian Devotion of Holy Men and Women. And so I'm wondering, could I have included Sister Thea Bowman in my book? Did she have some sort of devotion to Mary? Did she ever write about the Blessed Mother and what you found? From what I have been able to find, there has, been, there has not been um, much specifically about the Blessed Mother. But I've, I always... I like to think that, you know, we all have a devotion to the Blessed Mother in one way or another. I know that Sister Thea had uh, a very, a very big uh, and, and uh, embracing view of family. Um, she, she says, um, and this is actually uh, in a, a chapter that was, that was published in her, in a book called Families, that a Black and Catholic. Catholic and Black, and she says, uh, if we are not family, we cannot become church. Everybody needs family. We become family when families share values and needs. And I think about, we, we just 
celebrating the feast of the Holy Family. And for me, Mother Mary is, she's she's the center of, of the Holy Family. And I, I hope I don't get too much flack for saying that. But I look at, you know, all of, of uh, all things in, in human history and, and even thinking, tracing our salvation, our salvation history, it all came down to Mother Mary and her very brave, um, yes, her fiat. And this, um, so even if we don't have a, even though this is, this is as far as I could see or tell, Sister Faye did not have a specific Marian devotion, I know in my heart that she very much loved our Blessed Mother, because how could you not love our Blessed Mother? Um, and, you know, our Blessed Mother is, is this, she is our example, and she is the means that we can, that we are, that we are called to, to go out and just embrace and take care of one another, because... Um, as she told the servants at the wedding feast at Cana, do whatever he tells you. You know, she reminds us that our that our job as as Catholic Christians is to do whatever Christ tells us to do. Well, today I've been speaking with Kariana Fry. She is the author of We Are Beloved or We Are Beloved, 30 Days with Thea Bowman. It is part of the Great Spiritual Teacher Series from Ave Maria Press. And you can buy your book from Ave Maria Press or wherever Catholic books are sold, maybe your local Catholic bookstore or wherever you might happen to find it. You might want to make use of it during the month of February, like I will be doing myself. And uh, Kariana, if people want to follow you, I follow you on Instagram. I don't know if you're elsewhere, but how can they find you on social media and see what you're putting out there? Well, I am most active on Instagram, and my Instagram is very, it's, it's, there's a great variety there. You'll find uh, some style uh, some style tips and tricks all the way to catechesis to, you know, what flavor of coffee I'm drinking from Door County Coffee. Um, so, yes, I'm most active on Instagram. You can find me there at Carriana Fry. You're also more than welcome to visit my website, uh, com. There you can find uh, more about, a little bit more about me, um, about some of the other other uh, books that I have authored. And if you are looking for a speaker for your event, I am more than happy to come out and visit. And links to all those will be in the show notes. And you mentioned Door County Coffee. And uh, on my social media, so on Instagram every day during Advent, or what I call Secular Advent, December 1st to December 24th, (laughs) I did the daily coffee from the Door County Advent calendar. And then on Facebook Live, on my public page on Facebook, I did a daily rosary. I called it Wake Up With Mary. And basically it was like, five to 10 minutes of just general banter, me sharing about some topic or something like that. And then we prayed the rosary, but it all revolved around the door County coffee. I tried the coffee. I would say if I liked it or didn't like it, there are only a few I didn't like. And I, you know, you probably love this one, but I, I, I did not like at all the, the candy cane one. Like that taste does not belong on my tongue ever again. But uh, I know I it's- to agree. Oh, I you do agree. agree. We also did. We yes, we also did the Door County Coffee Secular Advent Calendar. Um, I, was, I joked around. We had the coffee calendar for the morning, and we had a wine calendar for the evening. <laughs> it was a whole thing in my house. Um, but yeah, I was not a big fan of the candy cane. I will say that the gingerbread latte one is probably my favorite. 
Um, my hu- my husband though, his his hands down favorite is the Highlander grog. So that's what we have most of the year is Highlander grog. But yeah, I agree. The uh, the candy cane. Um, I'm glad I experienced it. And I'm glad I did not have a whole pound. <laughs> yeah. So it's um, you know, for me, I really love the cinnamon roll Door County coffee. That was really good, or cinnamon bun, or whatever it was called. Oh, uh, that, that was, was a good one. That was mm-hmm. one of my favorites. And uh, yeah, I actually did a little interview uh, on social media. I released a little video uh, that I actually went to Door County Coffee, spoke with the owner and and their marketing person. You know, it was like an eight minute little sit down thing, just talking about Door County Coffee and and sharing with uh, the world about Door County Coffee, just as we're doing right now at the end of this podcast. So this is wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing how big it's gotten. I remember when when it was, and I've, 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 uh, been married to my husband since 2005 and so that's the so door kind coffee has been part of my life since 2005 um but even looking to see how it's changed uh since 2005 to now i mean they've been around since i think 93 um but they've got that giant warehouse now and they ship nationwide so if you're curious about trying door kind coffee which is not sponsoring this podcast no we encourage you to do so yes that's right that's right well that's great uh yeah no so it's a good relationship i started there and uh <laughs> Yeah, I look forward to whatever they do next year. They're talking about maybe the 12 days of Christmas next year, which I'm sure would be 12 days before oh, Christmas or whatever. Who knows? So, anyway, well, maybe we can encourage them to do it after Christmas. Like, right? we can kind of put the bug in their ear and say, yeah. do, do the advent one, but then do the 12 days after Christmas. To really, I think we need, we need to bring that back. I mean, those of us that know, we know that it's still Christmas, but, you know, the rest of the world needs to get on that. Right. Go back to their roots. (laughs) Totally agree. Well, this has been such a lovely conversation, Kariana, and I hope one day when you visit this area, our paths will cross and maybe we can meet up at the National Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help and and have a cup of coffee or lunch there and uh, be able to meet in real life and uh, continue to share our love for our Catholic faith. So thanks so much for joining me and how they love Mary today. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great rest your day. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. I really hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you'd like to follow me on social media, I'd encourage you to do so. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at the handle at FR Edward Looney. You can visit my website, edwardlooney.com, to learn more about my books and to acquire them from the publisher. And if you have enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor and review the podcast. Rate it on Apple Podcasts and write a review because that will help others to find it as well. Until next time, may we remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.